Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time, a particular Monday through Friday. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. It seems like it's been a long time since we had a normal Tuesday. A normal Tuesday would be Andrew Henderson checking in from the UK and Jay Truitt from that other foreign country called Missouri. Everybody on board. It has been a while. It's a long long time since Jay emigrated from Puerto Rico as well, I'd say. Yep. Too long. Too long, some would say. That that rustic tan is no longer there. Well, no, it's it's literally just the point that um, this time of year, I am uh, starting to remember all the reasons that I lived in Puerto Rico. Because I woke oh. up this morning and I had to put on a long sleeve shirt. Oh my oh, goodness! Oh goodness! It's cool. My goodness. Well, you know what? How about eating a few more of those pies that you that your that your wife makes, and then you'll <laughs> feel nice and warm. Well, we uh, uh, listen. I'm not supposed to admit it, but she is traveling today, so she won't get to see the program, and maybe I can delete it from her computer before she sees it. Um, so I ate I ate a piece of leftover cherry pie that was uh, left oh. in the shop, and it's like the first piece of pie that I've been able to finagle out of this place in a while. I'm oh, la- I'm place. last. Oh, I'm last in line, Andrew. You should know how that yeah. works, right? Customer comes first. You're a service oriented person. Yeah. Customer comes first. That, although. I have to say, I have to say, Jay, I, I'm not re- not noticing the onset of anorexia with you yet. It's, <laughs> it's mainly on my back. It's mainly my back where I'm losing the weight. You have to be behind. Okay. Me. Okay. I don't. I don't know. He's got product placement going on today. He's drinking coffee oh, out of a wonderful loose tails mug, but he's also selling freshly cut flowers there. I don't know uh-huh. what he's doing. What's going on with that? You know, I don't know either. <laughs> Wait. What kind of flowers are tulips, roses, and peonies? <laughs> and how much are they a dozen? <laughs> uh, you know what? Is, if you come by, I'll just give you a dozen. Okay. You know, yeah. you know what this is all about, don't you, Trent? Every time that he, he he's he's every week he's advertising your mug, right? So now he's thinking, oh, maybe I can get Trent to send me the flowers that I give to my wife as well, because he knows <laughs> yeah. how to. Well. How to press all the no, buttons with you. He or knows, he knows me better than that, Andrew. For sale. Gourds are for sale as well, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> I've got oh. all kinds but, of all kinds. The of thing stuff. is, I've now realized that in another life, I'm being trained to be a lobbyist, Trent. That's the way yeah. it works, isn't it? You it know? is, isn't you it? Give me, you give me some money, I'll promote you. How's that, you know, eh? So you know what the truth of the matter is, right? If for all the people that believe in reincarnation, if you really screw up your life the first time, you have to come back as a lobbyist. And so, so that's lower on the food chain. I, I want to know what percentage of the people actually believe in reincarnation, first of all. Mm, well, so it's some, it's some countries with huge populations, right? Which is the thing. Um, and it might surprise us to find out that it would be like 20% of the world population, but maybe, uh, uh, I don't, I, I wouldn't guess at what it is in the United States for in great Britain, it's probably a single digit number at, the, at the most. 
Maybe. You know, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny I'm you should naive. say this, but I, I'm going to try and dig this out. But I saw something that did freak me out the other day. And it was a guy uh, standing next to a portrait of somebody that was alive 500 years ago. And he was the identical twin of this guy. Now, imagine if you see that. That That is quite freaky, isn't it? And it is, it is a portrait. And the guy was naked. And I'm telling you, it wasn't just a lookalike. It was him. It was really quite. But I suppose the laws of um, the laws of reproduction would say that what sometime or another you'd make something very very close, don't you think? Yeah, that's uh, uh, so the old saying that there's uh, your doppelganger is out there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. If if you test yeah. enough genetic options, sooner or later somebody will just like you. They right. probably wouldn't be as nice as the three of us, though. So, I don't know how much value anybody puts in Pew Research, but I'll just put it out there first. This is Pew Research, and it was released in November of 2021. Okay. Yeah. Nearly four in ten adults under the age of 50 believe in reincarnation, compared with 27% of those that are 27 and older, or 50 and older. They're trying to tell me that 40% of the people under the age of 50 believe in reincarnation. I'm not buying that. No, me neither. I, I, yeah. So I am yeah. one of those people that uh, I do read a lot of Pew Research stuff because they always provide yeah. all their sample size and analysis criteria, right? Um, they don't always publish it that way, but they do make it available where you can look at it and really see it. And that does matter. But I'm not surprised by the overall 20-something percent number. I mean, just remember that India is Mm -hmm. one of the countries that you would find people believing that the most. That is where probably, uh, yeah, I actually, I think that number could be right um, because they have a lot more children than we have. Um, They have a higher percentage of the world's children, and they are about, you know, six. Uh, one sixth, roughly, a little less than one so of the world. So you're, so you're saying that they believe they're more likely to believe fairy tales? No, I. That's not what I said. I said they are more likely to have that belief system because it's part of their religious belief structure. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, um, I, I didn't mean that in a. I didn't mean that in a rude way. I just think that you know, like um, we get or oh, gotta be careful what I say online, but. You know, what? making children believe Santa Claus is um, is uh, something that's not that difficult to do. Yeah. No, and that is true, right? I mean, kids yeah. can be a lot more impressionable, and then people do change their opinions once they get a little bit older. Um, yeah. I and then sometimes, <laughs> as you get even older, yet your opinions change again. You know, once once in my life, I thought I was smarter than my parents. Then I realized I was a lot stupider. And now I believe I'm getting wiser, uh, but I'm not, I'm not <laughs> uh, caught up with him yet. Are you going to tell him on me, Trent? Uh, well, I'm, I'm just leaving that alone because uh, he, he's a parent also. So, it's, you know, he's influencing kids in the same time in that statement. But I'm continuing okay. to research the uh, reincarnation numbers. It's not just Pew. There's even some Christian organizations that are promoting. <laughs> this one's kind of funny. Depending on how you view this, the world's number of percentage of people that believe in reincarnation is between 12 and 44%. <laughs> well, 
That's a bit oh, of a range. Yeah. That's yeah. a bit of a range. <laughs> yeah. That sounds well, like that, one. That seems, that seems to be how your uh, your 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 federal government seem to work at the moment. So it's it's within that sort of range, isn't it? Well, I mean, 12, 12% of the people also think that the media is doing a responsible job. So Right. You can, you can pro- I'm not yeah. saying it's the same 12%. I'm just saying that there's 12% on any, any given issue where people are going to be like off in la la land. Right. It, I mean, clearly our media has failed us. That's kind of beyond discussion at this point, but uh, I, I, depending on just, the poll, you read it to 12%. You know what? Of them. I, I really don't have a yeah. problem with the 12% that believe the media and continue to watch it. I have a huge problem with the 75% that don't believe the media and continue to watch it. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. They sort of, yeah, they, they sort of don't stand up and say, I've had enough of it. Yeah. If you don't believe in something, you just tune it out. You stop the discussion. You stop paying attention. Well, do you know what part of the problem with that is that sometimes there are things that you like, for example, sports or, uh, programs about housing or about communities that aren't actual uh, physical news, and there, and you watch that channel because of those other programs, Trent, not because of the ones that are telling you lies. Yeah, which reminds me that I've determined that all sports in the United States, at the professional and the collegiate level, are a distraction from what's really taking place in the world and the erosion of your property rights. We'll be back with more roll route and surely that'll spawn some kind of a discussion beyond reincarnation after this tender beef is the key to your financial prosperity if you're a great plains cattleman and you'd like to get more than what the commodity beef market will provide for your cattle then get details about what it means to be a part of the supply chain details at lone creek cattle co com. the certified piedmontese system is pretty simple you use the sires from lone creek to breed to your cows you verify those calves are sired by the bulls that you have. And then, uh, <laughs> nothing like getting distracted in the middle of your story, but I just did. Thanks to a DocuSign. You can DocuSign your documents to be a part of the Lone Creek system. You take six weeks, get those calves ready and rolling, and then, boom, you get a $180 premium over market price. And here's the best deal, fellas or gals, you get the same price for steers and heifers. Tell me where this deal is beat anywhere, shape, or form. LoneCreekCattleCo.com to get full details. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis alongside Jay Truitt and Andrew Henderson acting like a brother who was reporting to Jay, pretending he was our father. He started it. <laughs> yeah, he started it. He started it, Dad. Uh, yeah, no, it was yeah. you. It was you who started it, Mister Loose. Talk. Yeah, yeah. I think whether people, how many, what percentage of people believed in reincarnation? No, so that makes trail. We're in big trouble if somehow or another that makes me the adult in the room. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> well, anyway, can I? That's hysterical. Uh, I'm sure this is the top of your list, guys, but I want to just tell you, this is something that's just appeared on my phone, and it's making me smile, and I want to make you guys smile. And it's got a picture of a corgi. Do both of you know that that was the queen 
his dogs, mm-hmm. don't you? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a picture of a corgi at the wheel with his mouth open. And he says, when they said we were going to the groomer, I didn't think they were meant literally. And anyway, <laughs> they're, sending, they're sending the corgis to Prince Andrew. <laughs> mm. so it, oh, my goodness. So it, it says, when they said we were going to the groomer, I didn't think they meant literally. And that's a corgi saying that. And then it says, Prince Andrew <laughs> to take the Queen's corgis off. So I thought that was a very funny joke. But there you and, go. Uh, grooming them for a future <laughs> life. I, w- I want to change the subject because uh, I, I, uh, I hope you don't mind this, but I think something um, came out yesterday that was declassified in the USA that I think is actually absolutely groundbreaking. And I don't know whether both of you know, but did you see the, uh, well, the announcement about the FBI yesterday, the 28 pages of declassified information about the 9-11 hijackers that they were tied to the, Saudi, the two guys that were tied to Saudi intelligence rented a room from an FBI informant in California before the 2001 attacks. The director of the FBI kept this cover-up for years until this week he announced the name of this person, one Robert Muller. Are you both aware of that? Wow. No, I, uh, I didn't I, see that. I am only because Andrew forwarded it to me, Jay, so I'm privileged. Wow, though. No, that's pretty interesting dynamic. I'm not surprised that somebody in that circle, uh, that a terrorist could be an FBI informant. That doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, The other other interesting thing is that that guy was the guy that ran the Russia Russia probe against Donald Trump. And what what I'm saying is is also, when I look at what's happening, because I'm sure you both know that there there is rumors now that we're going to hear about these conversations that Ray Epps, the mystery guy at the Capitol, was having conversations with Nancy Pelosi a week before the so-called insurrection. Um, this seems like a, a thread here that um, all of a sudden we're going to find out that the total, total opposite of what we thought happened actually happened. Yeah, that's been the case all along, though, hasn't it? Um, and again, I think we're yeah. back to... I, I do. While I know you were meaning to change the subject matter, I think we're still back to the very same subject matter that we kind of ended on in the first segment, which was that the media and and the distractions that are created uh, for us on a on like a never ending basis now at this point uh, take away from yeah. what really is going on. We. I, I I had some people ask me to do an analysis because in in the, in the early part of my life in Washington D.C. I did tax analysis, right, and spending analysis. That's yeah. what I did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I worked with some of the brightest people that money money could have found anywhere, and they were you know great diligent public servants that would just take a calculator and spend all day, and then I would look at it from a I would look at the socioeconomic, you know, response and we had other people. I was just the person in the middle that funneled all the information back and forth through a lot of times. But the the interesting thing was, so uh, in, in that respect, I was asked to take a look at the whole IRA package and the student um, loan forgiveness package. And at the very the very moment that I I, I got the my math done. 
Uh, I see where a committee for a responsible budget did an, an even better job than what I did. I'll give them props for, for the work they did. Almost to a penny, the, the theoretical savings, which aren't real, in the uh, Inflation Reinvestment Act or Reduction Act, whatever they were trying to call that bill, uh, the, yeah. the Biden, Biden the IRS Inflation Act. Reduction Act, yes. Yeah. Cost. Ex, uh, it saved exactly the amount of money that he chose to forgive in student loan debt. Mm. And so the deficit, oh. I mean, al- almost to the penny. It, it's a it's a creepy coincidence if it is just a pure coincidence, and it wasn't. I know from how the White House works in tier, uh, on the inside, it just wasn't. Uh, a coincidence. They knew exactly how much money they had to spend and how much they could get away with. And yeah, the, 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 I mean, the other component of that is right. Is that we're really not forgiven that debt. That's really not what's happening. Um, they're, they're just changing where it, where it rests inside the federal government. Uh, it goes wow. from being debt that the department of education was responsible for and had on their books, an obligation that had to be repaid. We just moved it over to the Treasury Department and made it a Treasury note. Um, yeah, yeah so, except the people are not responsible for their own actions. That's that's the part that bothers me. Yeah. Well, can I can I ask can I ask about that particular thing though? What? How is that playing? I mean, you guys must be getting some form of feel for this, but you know, am I right in saying so? They're forgiving student debt for people who had the privilege of going to university or college and that basically everybody else who's got a trade like a farmer or a joiner or an electrician they're actually paying for these people's debt that they built up while getting an education how is that actually going to play with the this is from the democrats i mean if if it was a policy from a right-wing um you know nazi type of operation then you might think it's acceptable but really this is stealing from the poor and giving to the rich, isn't it? Um, so there's a cap. There's an income. There's an income cap that will restrict you uh, from participation. But I, uh, it's not so much that. But I do. I know for a fact that they very carefully measured where that money would go and how it was going to be used. Uh, who would benefit okay. from it? And it's a political. It's a political. So, not anything more or less. So do you think that it's actually going to encourage more people to vote Democrat? Is that what you're saying then, Jay? Um, poor people tend to vote Democrat anyway. Uh, they, were given a, they were given a bone to their base. So, I, uh, it, it, the, so listen, when you, look back, when you look back at this just at a pure, from a pure, now put my lobbyist hat back on, right? And act just like a lobbyist. <laughs> this is about counting votes uh, in November and trying to figure out how to put a few key wins together for people so that you have something to go out and say. I, uh, we were talking about the media earlier and I don't, I don't watch too many, but I do watch a lot of clips of interviews of people and Carrie Lake, um, who is running for the governor of Arizona, who was a Arizona, former member yeah. of the media, right. Um, is running against, it's two real attractive, physically attractive candidates um, who are running that are very attractive to their bases. But there's a big middle ground in the middle that they're trying to figure out how to shore up. And in Arizona, that is um, 
Hispanics that that would tend to be um, pro-life, probably um, uh, based on a, a, a Catholic upbringing, um, but also look to the government for a number of program supports. And so um, Carrie Lake is out just shooting straight from the hip. But she mentions through the middle of that and, and in the middle of this clip, they play a clip of her opponent talking and she has no talking points. And she's a bright lady, right? She's the secretary of state in Arizona. She's not some idiot that's never done this game before. Um, but I think this is all about trying to give them some talking points to build that base back up and try to figure out how you get, get people to participate and well, turn out and vote. There, therein lies the issue that I would think they both have, but particularly the Democrat, the, the person she's trying to cater to doesn't typically vote to begin with. They're the ones yeah. that are the free rangers, so to speak, and yeah. relying on a, a handout. But I got an issue. It's a rollout. We're halfway through. We'll be back with more Jay Truitt. Andrew Henderson after this. Now for a moment, let's talk about nucleic acid. You know, that's uh, most prevalent in beef, right? And it's all about promoting the immune system, supporting the immune system. So if you want to talk about zinc, you want to talk about nucleic acid, you want to talk about vitamin B12, what else do you want to talk about that builds the immune system? Well, let's talk about the source of getting that done, beef. I'm telling you, beef is a superfood with macronutrients. The other component that helps your immune system I take it on a daily basis, half for 18 years. It's called nitric oxide. And cows also consume nitric oxide. They do that. Nitrous oxide's in the atmosphere. 78% of the Earth's atmosphere is nitric oxide. Nitrous oxide. They produce nitric oxide. You should do the same thing, taking a tablet, as well as breathing in the air. NO2U.com. Trent coupon code. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Lewis alongside Andrew Henderson. You got all fidgety during the break. Jay Truett always just <laughs> calm like the storm before calm before the storm. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. okay. Okay. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> I, I'm, kinda, I, uh, I'm actually I, I, still I, I, calm. I, 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 I'm calm during and after the storm as well. So. <laughs> the calm. I, I can't believe that um, that Trent has been looking at Donald Trump's tweet, last tweet. I have not been looking at Donald Trump's anything, to be clear. His, last, his very last truth last night is the calm before the storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, like uh, I want to talk about, we talk. You want to talk about real news, okay? So I was going to try something here. Have either of you heard about the global walkout? No. No. Have either of you heard this? So can I just see whether this works? If it doesn't work, then I'm sorry. But this is. Can you hear that? No. No. Okay. All right. It, it, this isn't it? one of those jokes that we had to hear that we had to hear out your window or something, is it? No, I'll, I'll tell okay. you, this is very, very serious. This is, um, this is, it should be the main news story, certainly in Europe, if not the world. This is 
a step-by-step um, collection of thousands, hundred thousands, and hopefully millions of people to walk away from climate change and back to a stable society which relies on local farmers and local food. And it's been driven by the Dutch farmers and the Dutch population. And it's called hashtag, glo hashtag global walkout. Hundreds of thousands uh, protested about this at the weekend, but it's growing massively in its, uh, uh, in its incision and it's starting to really affect social media here in the UK because people are now realizing that food is gonna get very expensive because of Agenda 30 in Holland alone, as it is the big, biggest export of food in the whole of Europe. So there you go. They've got a full-fledged Facebook page, website. This is a very organized event. It's not just a hashtag where somebody had an idea. Huh. It's massive. Go to global, hashtag global walkout and the Dutch farmers. And what I, I will send you it is a massive event that's happening. It's not just a little event. And they are gaining traction all over the world. In fact, I was at a farm today and they said, well, of course, the Dutch had to be the place where they started because everybody knows how much food, vegetables and meat that they provide the rest of Europe. And Europe is beginning to clock that we are going to be short of food this winter. And as a result, people in Europe, as well as in Eastern Europe and Africa, are going to starve to death because of the globalists. Well, I, I will say this, one of the interesting, so uh, again, in my current set of priorities that I work on all the time, I track commodity movements all over the world, right? And, yep. um, and there's a handful of places that you can, you can go to where you can actually just track what's on the ships or where they're loading yep. and offloading and kind of figure it out. You don't have to be uh, a rocket scientist by any measure, because I'm certainly not. And, um, with that said, just accidentally the other day, I kind of stumbled upon the amount of firewood that has been moving around in Eastern Europe, and it Absolutely. is a phenomenal number. Yes. It's like 70 times their normal rate of, uh, of firewood that has been purchased yep. and stockpiled by people. Um, and it I'm, started. I'm one of them. Jay, yeah, well, Jay, I'm one of them. I'm yeah, one of those it, people. I'm I'm stockpiling firewood for my house. It started back in like, uh, not. It didn't just like come about recently. They started in like April and May. And when you go through all those numbers and look at year to year or year over year, or however you want to break it down, it literally is uh, at least five times. Uh, in in every one of those countries and in Germany, Eastern, the old Eastern Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is seven times. Um, the Western yeah. part of Germany is more like about two times. So they they're still counting on government to fix something. But the people that lived under uh, Russian autocracy at one point uh, in their history or their grandparents did. They're wise enough to know that somebody's not going to bail them out. You can go hungry till May, and you can be really cold while you're hungry. And if you're going to be hungry, yeah. it's better to be warm and hungry than it is cold and hungry. 
So, Andrew, give us a sense on, uh, I mean, we could stock all the firewood we want in the United States, but, Jay, I got to believe 90% of the homes wouldn't know how to use it because everybody's wired in with their LP or their electric. They they can't possibly use firewood. Yeah, I bet that's true. I'm sure that's true. I I, I think that's quite, I think that's another thing that makes this a very scary event because, um, People that can use firewood would are getting it because they are aware of the fact that we are already being told we're going to have rolling power shortages. Um, it's all right. Our prime minister saying that she's capped it at double the price of last year. But the biggest issue is whether Russia decides to turn the gas on in the first place. And given that Germany is 40% reliant on gas from Russia, it doesn't matter what the price is. If it's not supplied, people are going to die in the cold weather in the winter. And I, I, I would look to you. If you have a look, Trent, you will see that what the what the, the fake news is saying. And I'll read it to you. Is this is the latest? It says conspiracy theorists and nationalists support the Dutch farmers' protest against climate change. Well. I got some news for these news people. The majority of people, because of the globalists, are becoming nationalists. You've only got to look at what's happened in Sweden, what's happened in Italy, and what's happened in Canada in the last 48 hours to know that people are very quickly returning to their nationalist roots. roots because Italy is, has a nationalist gov- government for the first time ever. There is going to be a nationalist government, I believe, in Canada. The guy that was against the, the, the person that got elected in Canada, according to the, the media, was going to win by a landslide. And he only got 16 percent of the vote for the conservatives. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, the person who did get elected got 67 percent of the vote. The one the media said had no chance. So goodness me, if that's not a wake up call for the world, nothing is. And I, I am. I think, Trent, do your, do your usual investigating. You'll see this Dutch farmer thing is growing at a rate that must be making the globalists melt with fear because it is really fighting back against the globalists. Well, I'm yeah. going to find an organizer of the event and, and get them I, on and get it directly from the horse's mouth. So let me let me let me just like throw something at you though in this whole discussion. I don't think they care. Well, I don't think the uh, uh, the climate folks really care about what the vote count is on this at this point. I agree. Okay. I think they're far beyond it. It's a little bit like, uh, and this goes back to something that's like kind of Trent's core philosophies. Uh, I know that he spends a lot of time on the whole property rights discussion in the United States. Um, I, I ended up in a dialogue the other day with uh, with some lady that was talking about how to forage for better health, right? And it starts off real innocently, yeah. but then she's talking about how she walks across this farmer's field, you know, and she picks up some weeds off the end of the field and she she's turning it into a salad. And while it's it's a it's a great learning lesson for people, right? And I don't really want to discourage that. I said, hey, listen, it's not called foraging for free. It's called stealing when you're on someone else's property. Right. It doesn't matter what yeah. you take. 
it's still yeah. stealing. Now, if the farmer yeah. could pick yeah, what yeah. to take, it might be a gift. Yeah. He might say, hey, you can pick all of the uh, Russian thistle and bull's nettle that you want. The morning glories, they're all yours. But the rest of it leave for whatever reason, right? Um, and and she could, and her response was, no, I do it in the national park. And I go, well, it's not permitted there either. You can't just go to a national park and take whatever you want and leave. No. It's just not the way no. the, the current go, laws. Go take a horse from a national oh, yeah, land exactly. and see what happens to you. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I might support that if you could take all the uh, yeah, weeds but, you want for your salad, but you had to take a, a mare with you. Yeah, except I'm I'm saying if you took a horse or you just shot a oh, horse because the horse prison. was in you'd agony, go to prison. you're locked yeah. up forever. Yeah, you'd go to prison maybe for the rest of your natural life. And so I think we, yeah, we, and my point, my point in all that is not to really, I don't really want to focus on that necessarily. We can talk about whatever you guys want, but it is literally that we've become this disconnected society where people um, just kind of ignore basic rule of law components. And the thing that made the United States of America function versus not function. It was not functioning in the very beginning. The thing that made it function was property rights. And really everything else that we have in our country is based on that idea that an, any individual can own and possess something and it's his, and he has certain quote unquote rights that go with that. And then they expanded yeah. it to what are the other inalienable rights that that person would have. But the U.S. Yeah. was a failure but as a, as a colony experiment. It was an abstract and complete failure until we, we started implementing cap, basic rules of capitalism and property rights. Those are the two things that made it work. Got away from the thumb of the crown. That's what made it work. We'll be back with the last segment of Making It Work. We're all out after this. Well, today Andrew was talking about how we are lighting up the truth. We truly must continue to utilize coal. I'm a big fan of coal. The first time I went to North Dakota, I understood how important coal was. Did not until then. And that was, quite frankly, in about 1994. The Lignite Energy Council understands that we need to light up the truth as well. And that's why if you go to the website, Lignite.com, Lignite is a form of coal for those that may not know, very progressive in terms of getting information and resources to people that need it, including a curriculum for teachers and educators on cookie mining, daily energy calculator, electrical transmission, Play-Doh core sampling. It's just a little bit of the information that you can get. And quite frankly, the first time I ever used Zoom was for a Lignite meeting. About eight years ago, ahead of its time, legnight.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose alongside Jay Truitt. I want to get to that property rights discussion because obviously it's my bailiwick. But Andrew, I want to go back to something you said, which I just, I don't grasp. And, and that is that because there will be a lack of fuel, there will be people dying this winter. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable, but our, our four, our, our forefathers, they lived without fuel. They, they knew how to survive without 
the modern conveniences that we have today. It's a lot like when they talk about the heat, 114 degrees in California, people will die. My goodness, are we that fickle that we can't survive in a little bit of adversity? I'm pretty sure you can, Trent, but I'm almost 100% sure that most people can't in these days that we live. Now, I'm not saying people that go through your border in, from Mexico into the U.S. I think they they're pretty survive. tough, Andre. Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about the people that have been insulated by the federal governments with food payments, with COVID payment payments. These people, you've heard it said before, the difficulty is finding people to work these days. Well, mm. I think you're going to find a real issue here, and I and I and I also have to say. Uh, James, I think that these, in this particular instance, the protesters are working, and it is working because the the Dutch agricultural minister has been forced to resign. And I think it's no coincidence that for the first time ever, we have an agricultural minister who's a farmer in the UK. I actually think this is gaining traction because I do think people are going to starve, not because they're not capable of surviving. It's because they don't know how to survive. And, I, you know, when you say, hmm, what's going to happen with people? That, um, you've got to remember in Bavaria, for example, um, which is Eastern Europe, their winters are very, very cold, Trent, like your winters can be very cold. And if they if they haven't got access to fireplaces where they can cut down trees to survive, what are they going to keep warm with? They can't get gas and they can't get wood. What can they keep warm with, Trent? They've got a house. They don't live in the woods. Mm, I, I, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> time will tell whether I'm right or I'm wrong on this, but I've got to, I have, I am absolutely convinced we're going to be short of food. I'm absolutely convinced we're going to see riots in the streets. And I'm, I don't mind saying that on air. I believe that's going to happen mm. for the first time in my lifetime. I think we're going to see that. And by the way, I think we're going to see that in the USA too. I think you, you've got some serious issues with food distribution and some of the cities, there's going to be riots. I, I don't disagree with you at all. Apparently, it's okay. time to call the herd. I think we are coming close to that point myself. Wait, wait, I see your frustration, Jay Truett. What's going on? No, so listen, I, uh, I, I don't mean to be cruel, um, but uh, money talks and you know what walks, be careful what you right? say there <laughs> yeah no i uh, uh so the here's the reality is is that uh people with means will eat they may not they may not eat exactly what they want but they will eat and the the saddest part of this whole conversation is is that uh, it, it it almost is uh uh, racism is the wrong word here, but uh, uh, it's almost like it's a genocidal acceptance from the people that think it's okay to, as Trent mentioned, and there's a bunch of people that that uh, talk about how we have to reduce the world population, which reducing the world population means that you're going to cull the herd and you're willing to accept that something is going to cause that. And food is the easiest way to do that. The problem is, Almost everybody that you're going to kill is going to be a brown or black skin. Well, um, I, I'm, I'm afraid to say that I, 
I, I totally disagree with you. We are already seeing a massive cull of white, brown, and black people. The uh, the evidence so, is there. So Mike, if you want to look listen. at it, we have got a fourteen percent increase above the five-year norm on vaccinated countries in the death rate. Jay, that's a fact. Okay, we're already seeing a cull. We're already seeing oh, a cull. Okay, but what my point my point being is is that you uh, uh, you you start removing the food supply, the external food supplies from say northern and central Africa, uh, Western Africa will survive, but other places in Africa won't. Um, yep. The Indonesian islands, um, parts yep. of South yep. and Central America, uh, and a couple of isolated places in the Middle East. And you can, boom, take a billion people out of the population in a much shorter period of time than you can with any elaborate vaccine strategy that has to go on for decades and decades uh, to really yeah, fully... But if, you want, if, you want, if you know that those are the people that are likely to comply, then it's best not to cull those people from Indonesia, uh, China and the Far East because they've already proved that they can comply so at the end of the day, it's not a good idea to take those people out. It's, it's the good idea is to take the people that won't comply out. And I think that's what we're starting to see. My, but listen, now again, I'm back to my original point. The people with means will eat. China has okay. means. It's not, China may selectively starve some people, but they're not going to generically starve. Uh, even India won't generically starve. I don't think China's going to starve anyone. That's the point I'm trying to make. I think that it's this is a this is a calculated reduction in this is not going to be how you described it in the Far East and in Africa. I, I think the cull is starting here and it's going to intensify. So I'm sitting here listening to both of you, understanding both of your points. Uh, but Andrew, it's impossible to uh, disrupt the food supply without having an impact in those populations that struggle in accessing food anyway. I know, I understand, and don't disagree with anything you said about attacking the three of us with a a, a vaccine regimen. That's a totally different story. But at the end of the day, it's all about calling the herd. I I agree. And and I, I too, have seen... If you look at China's buying all the raw material at the moment. So India, India's buying massive amounts of food. And it's but, very interesting because, you know, that's not normal. But if Correct. you talk to Hank Vogler, whose in-laws, his wife's family is in China and they communicate on a regular basis, you have isolation and things happening to the Chinese folks today that nobody's talking about. Yeah. I, oh, I get that. I get that. But would I also be right in saying, Trent, given what you've just said, who are the people that are more likely to be resourceful in this sort of time. And I would argue that people who have had nothing know how to look after themselves on just a little bit more than nothing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I I, I follow that. But at the same time, Jay's point where the people who have the wherewithal are, I mean, there was an article last week out and J.C. Cole is quoted in it talking about what the elites are doing to protect themselves from the peasants that are going to come for their food and resources. Yeah. The, the movement is on. I, yeah, well, I, I, 
I'm going to be intrigued to see how that plays out. To be honest, I I don't I don't know that uh, I completely buy the. Uh, I, I can't. I don't have any information to argue with you guys about uh, the severity, but I don't know that I buy the level of severity that is being predicted. I would just say that again, Trent Trent's point is, uh, or no, Andrew, you made the point that India is buying massive amounts of food in record proportions, right? Uh, Turkey, Turkey has been buying in record proportions. They did it all with UN money. Uh, Stupidly, they turned around and sold uh, most of what they bought um, (laughs) so that they could make a quick buck, right? Uh, But uh, so there's a handful of places that are taking care of themselves. India has plenty of food production and they know how to meter themselves. They know how to manage themselves. I don't put them in the same category, but Bangladesh does not, as an example. Uh, Neither does most of the Micronesian islands that rely on uh, imported food for survival, not for existence, but for survival uh, today. Their population bases just far exceed their natural supply. Ethiopia, Somalia, uh, Sudan, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those are all, those are all continental bases that have, are continental uh, uh, places that we've seen famine in the last 20 years that didn't spread to a larger region purely because people went in and rescued them and, right. uh, and took right. care of the issues. And, if you catch them on a good year, they can take care of themselves. But if you catch them on a bad year, they're sunk. Uh, and I, I, all I'm saying is, I don't, I don't think not one of the three of us really know what the impact is going to be. All yeah, we do no. know is that we've never been here before. We all know that. I, in my lifetime, we've never been here ever. Correct. This is, this is, you know, anybody that predicts this right is going to be a very clever man because I, you know, I. It may well be that you're right. It takes a lot longer for the food shortages to come through. But the, the social upheaval is going to be very, very soon. I, I can see that happening very soon. I think yeah. it's time to get your own cow to milk or goat, whichever you prefer. Got one. I agree. I, I agree. I agree with you 100%, Trent. I really do. Yeah. I think that's the, the key is look local. Well, the key is go to your barn. <laughs> Yeah, the key. Yeah. No, the, yeah, yeah. The, you got a little milking yeah. barn out there, Andrew. You can milk a cow every day or a goat. The key, the key to having a cow to milk. Don't at worry, this I point, know I can. No, is make sure she's not an open cow right now. Right, you need her. You need her at least to be springing so that she can feed you through the winter. Yep, that'll do. It. You know, when I was when I when I was in uh, Nanjing in in China, do you know the biggest thing I noticed in Nanjing? And I'll tell you this, this is, and it, this will stay with me for the rest of our, my life. Never heard one bird. Never heard one bird? No, they don't they, have any. They were eating we've successfully, we've successfully journeyed down the road, birdless, connecting <laughs> rural and urban America for Andrew Henderson, Jay Truitt, I'm Trent Luce. All three reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route where birds do sing. Cheers, Ed. Cheers, everyone. And finally, today, I want to remind you about Protect the Harvest. The latest newsletter came out today, 58 Days to Save America. 
Go onto the website. This newsletter's got what I spend as much time on as anything right now, and that is the ESGs. You know, they call them the environmental, social, whatever, governance. I call it Earth Starvation Gimmick. The Earth Starvation Gimmick is being weaponized against agriculture, harming small farms and ranches, destroying food production and energy production. Protect the Harvest has full section on this. Get details about how we need to fight, stand up, and protect our property rights. Protecttheharvest.com.